This is Kristen. And this is Isha. Welcome to I'm Not a Peach Crayon. Welcome back to another episode of I'm Not a Creech Crayon. Creech Crayon? What's Creech Crayon? Hey, the words peach was in my head, but that didn't come out. Preach Crayon. <laughs> it's it's for the uh, Halloween season, the creatures, Creech Crayon. I like Yes, I yes. Creech Crayon <laughs> for our last episode of this season. That part. Um, so we are we are gonna discuss they clone Tyrone. Um, and joining us for the last episode of the season is Wayne. Hi, Wayne. Hey. Hey. So we're not gonna make him introduce himself a third time. So we just go kind of jump into this movie which is described as a genre bending and i had to write this down because there was like a bunch of genres a genre bending homage to black exploitation films of the 70s featuring elements of satire mystery horror science fiction and absurdist humor which is all mm-hmm. a lot of my favorite things so i and was here for it from what i re- i read it was a american science fiction comedy mystery directed by Jewel Taylor in his feature film directorial debut. And he helped write the screenplay a lot. Well, he didn't help. He co-wrote the screenplay along with uh, Tony Rettenmeyer. Yeah, he's that uh, dude who did... Um, 2023. What the hell did he just do? Oh, Space Jam, I think? Yes, Space Jam. Well, Tony Rettenmeyer is known for The Light Thief, 2015. They yeah, clone in 2023. And Space Jam, A New Legacy, 2021. Yeah. Oh, the, the one with uh, LeBron. Yeah. Right. But, like, okay. Taylor, this is his, like, first, like, real movie. And I was watching this thing where he was saying, like, he never really even thought about being a movie director or film, like, going into film. He was, like, a Black kid from Tuskegee, Alabama, which is the the Glen is based on his neighborhood kind of like loosely. And then he like went to art school and he was like, oh, this could be something interesting. Cause I think he wanted to go into video games. Right. He wanted to do video games and he he went to university of Florida and that is where he were at. uh, He met Rhett Meyer. So -hmm. they were students at, well, they were students at the university of Southern California together. Mm -hmm. That's where they met. And his Jewel Taylor was also, Part of he wrote Creed too, oh, that's right. and he was also and, and Space Jam: A New Legacy. Yeah, he's been writing on a lot of stuff, but this was like his first like this is his first directorial debut. Wow, that's really cool. As Creed a, Two as is my favorite yeah, of the three. I have not watched watched Creed Two, not because I don't want that's to, just one. like in the context of all the things people tell me to watch. I'm like, look, y'all, we we gonna get there when we get there. But I want to like get right into it because I feel like the movie itself I mean not even let alone just like the kind of usage of call Tyrone for Erica Badu that they use at the end of the the, uh, <laughs> the movie that they re- re- rewrote it she specifically re- I appreciate it for that yeah mm-hmm. um like there's just so much going on like the background and setting itself like that's why I kept kind of watching it because there were so many easter eggs and little like hints of things throughout the movie that you don't even like because you're trying to just take everything in you don't even realize and like I think I I don't know if I was talking to you Kristen or someone else about this but at first you don't really know what time period they're in because it feels like it's the 70s kind of and the 80s and then the 90s and then you're like you're like now it's the the 2000s and you're like wait a second what period of time are we in it's like it's all wrapped up in the one and they purposely chose that mashup. It's supposed to be this, like, now. But because, like, when you think about how a lot of neighborhoods are so trapped, especially disenfranchised neighborhoods are so trapped in certain, like, spaces, like, you don't really have mm-hmm. time to evolve or move or you get funding to get better things. You see, like, the broke down housing with the interior that's, like, from the 70s and mm-hmm. the pipes that are so, like... I thought it was really interesting. And I think that also speaks to that black exploitation, like having that 70s element. But I just kind of liked the disorientation that I felt with not really knowing the time period, but thinking I know the time period, but then having all this other shit going on. I'm gonna stop talking. That's so funny you guys bring that up because I don't I didn't question the time period once when I watched it. Really? Okay. I didn't. I just felt like it was right now. Right? Well, I get the that. The entire time. 
right because they mentioned stuff that's now but then like the i guess i should say the vibe felt like there was a lot of like are we in the 70s because you have slick charles and like Mm -hmm. do pimps still today still dress like pimps from the 70s and then he (laughs) mentions that he's the 95 pimp world champion or whatever and so like first yeah like uh, yeah not a thing that most people wear now but they were very popular back in the 70s part of the 80s 80s, the 90s then you had elements of the 90s and then like even with the 2000s and spongebob and mentioning that so like i kind of came into the movie thinking it was present but they were like the way he and he said he purposely kind of did that is to kind of give you that not i don't know if disorienting is the best word for what he wanted but like just that element of like being trapped in certain spaces as mm-hmm. black people in time and well, kind of conveying that what what he said in an interview that i read or a snippet of an interview was basically like in areas uh like where he grew up in tuskegee alabama there are areas in the united states that have been so far left behind mm-hmm. that all the things that they should have the infrastructure that they should have they don't have it and so like you said it's this weird mashup of all of these different decades together because you had one of the characters Mm yo-yo talking about bitcoin Mm -hmm. and and blockchain and you're like Mm -hmm. you look like you just stepped out of the 70s black exploitation film what are you they can call her Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly but the thing is like if you look at their neighborhood like all the things that you can see that are not there that you would need to have in a what they call a gentrified area. Like there's no grocery store. What do you have? Mm-hmm. You've got a corner store, store that serves yeah. as a liquor store where you can get your mm-hmm. scratch offs, but there's actually no grocery store. Mm. Like, you right. never see a grocery store at all in this neighborhood, but you can find everything else. You can find drugs there. You can find hoes there. You can yep. find a club there, yep. but you do not find all the things that people need mm. there. You, you don't, don't even, even see schools, schools for other children. kids. No, nope. exactly. I mean, honestly, down, like, like you said. so like all these things that you need are not there. And that's honestly like that's so true. And it's still like that today in a lot of places. It's just like it like it brings a new meaning to like how you see the present if the past has never changed. If it's constantly yeah. tied to you, almost like weighing you back, which you kind of mm-hmm. get to the point of. And this is my spoiler early in the thing. So if you haven't watched it, do not listen to this point. But Stop then, and go and watch it. Right? <laughs> is the part where, and then I'm going to come back to other stuff, is that like when you get Keith or Sutherland's character who is named Nixon, apparently, or that's his code name. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're basic, because when they're in the lab, Yo-Yo is like, why are they only um, cloning specific people and not everyone? And you get Kiefer, who's basically like, or Nixon, who's like, yo, we need specific kinds of you to help keep you held back. We need you to be the chain that is holding them to this anchor that we've created for them so that we can continue to manipulate, create agreeable situations where we get you to do what we want or whatever the situation is. You're the, you exist to hold them back, to keep be those relics that hold them back from that pro- progress. And I feel like that was like, the most blatant, I guess, um, issue he tackles in this movie overall, but like throughout the entire movie, you see other little things that are like sprinkled throughout of like the getting caught up in conversations about if Michael Jackson and Tupac are still alive and they're working at the Piggly Wiggly down the street or (laughs) how, (laughs) you know, like stuff like that. So there's like, and can I say y'all, I noticed this on this last time I watched it. Every space controlled is run by a white man in an afro. Mm-hmm. Yes. I noticed that. Yeah. Because they don't show the convenience store dude till like the close to the end. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, oh, maybe he's like the Asian person or the, which is still ter- stereotypical of what you see in movies of like who runs those things. But it's like every space was a white man in an afro. And I was like, that's an interesting choice. I thought it was so funny when he was like, he had the gun to him and he was roasting him and he was laughing, but he was trying to be serious. But he was like, how the hell do you have an afro? <laughs> Are you tapioca spun? I think he said. <laughs> yes. Manila. 
Which is true, because, like, what was that period of time when you saw white people with afros in the 70s? But then, like, even now, like, the the fades, the haircut fades that you kind of see that have, like, expanded outside, which was not an appropriate hairstyle or a decent haircut or professional haircut at one time. But now it's, like, this acceptable hair cutting style for men. So, like, shit, everything... Okay, I'm just sorry, y'all. I'm just... There's so many things, because... The shit's in everything. And I like the, I, I labeled on my notes frogisms, which is that guy who was sitting outside the convenience yeah. store. Frog was the smartest yeah. person in the town. Well, that made yeah. me, because they um, had a copy of him. Didn't No, they didn't have a copy of him. They didn't have they, a copy um, of but But I, sometimes I feel like it's the people that, you, that we have, have a tendency to ignore. Like a lot of people would just ignore him sitting there. Yeah. But you notice that Fontaine doesn't. He at least takes the time to like share part of his like 40 with him or something like that. But he's like not that. really listening to him. He's not really listening until not all of a sudden. But but isn't that how it is sometimes with the elders yep. in the black community? Like the younger, those of us that are younger, like, yeah, we don't need to listen to you because you don't know what you're talking about. Or things have and changed. This, that, and the other. And then you find out that actually there's some kernels of truth to what they've been saying. It, the thing is that you just are now in a space to like recognize it and see that okay maybe they're not just doing whatever i think mm-hmm. there's also to that a level of they've been so broken too by the system of trying to like fight against it or do something different and like that goes to that conversation of being worn out of like trying to fight mm-hmm. against the system where you kind of start to lose pieces of yourself so you it adds to the fact that no one really believes you because at this point yeah. now you're talking crazy silly stuff it's like or we yep. see that you're a broken person. So we're not really going to take things valid. I think your point is also correct. I'm just adding to that. Like there's like that other layer because you only have one character representing multiple mm-hmm. facets of that conversation. But mm-hmm. it, it, he, they all exist in him. Yeah, I wrote that in my notes too. I thought that was really cool. Because when you think about it, if imagine his character back maybe like I don't however many years ago he realizes what's going on he's like there's no there's no fucking way figures it out no one believes him they laugh at him they're like you're gonna be a homeless old man no one's ever gonna listen to you and the fact that he has to live in both of those realities and he's trapped he does go crazy Mm. you know but then back there are no centers there are no hospitals there are no there's none of that so he just sits outside and now he just rambles. Right. And they probably love having him there for that because then it helps them test their products of that powder because that's it's right. like, can it stand up to the ramblings of this, this man? Right. That's city? right. And it like, it goes back to the same, like how they, how they trick them later because they set up the conversation with him and Buddy. And he's like, oh, you're telling me this? No, nah, I don't believe you. And right away they're like, oh, it's, like, it's an extra, it's like a normal day. You know, someone's trying to spill the truth and we got this thing wrapped up in a bow. No one's going to figure it out. And it's that's really back. And again, back to what you're saying, it's like it's so in your face and blatant. You know, and it's like, damn, it's so true. I believe it. It's funny and it, it is satirical. But that point, the underlying point, I believe it like so deep. And it's mm-hmm. not just like about whether it's, it is controlling black people because there's so much power behind the control of that versus them, the power they would have, or we would have controlling ourselves, you know? So yeah, but it's so much deeper because when it's with the food, it's just like anyone who can't afford to buy outside of the poison is exactly the demographic we want. Right. So it's like, boom, got you. It's, and if you think about it, even as citizens of the United States, exactly, we, we don't control no what is put into our food. Mm-hmm. If we did, nope. we wouldn't have so many recalls of it. I was right. just watching. You have people who are making money off of like here. Let me just spoon feed you all of this stuff, and, mm-hmm. and come to like black communities, and there's no grocery store that you can see because they talk about a piggly wiggly, but we ain't seen one, and we haven't mm-hmm. gone in to see what that piggly wiggly looks like. Right, because a lot shelves. of times, if they have it, it's not that great. Even on the west side of Chicago, what is it when they used to have that Aldi's that got closed down on West Garfield Park, and like yes. the other grocery store, they had this concept of like they let it fall to shit, 
So that rat started coming in, it failed its inspection, and then it got closed. And then you had a whole neighborhood without access to fresh food. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that shit happens all the time. And it's like, the running joke, I don't want to say the running joke, but like the running conversation of like, what things you can find in a poor Black community. Churches, convenient liquor stores, and then... uh, what's the other one strip clubs or like some sort of club right and you had yeah. all three of those in there oh like can we talk about the church for a second i didn't want to be the first one to bring it up because chris um, conversations about can we have a, a talk okay yeah. so this let's is go to church it's sunday let's go to church questioning this i want to question i want to come from like the neutral standpoint it's pop right mm-hmm. like i'm not i'm not trying to like piss anyone off with this but ever since I was a child, like before I can even comprehend what I was questioning as a, as a child in real life, my mom and my old man, especially my old man, he was keen on making me go to church on Sundays with him as he searched for the church that he wanted to like participate at on a regular basis. And I went with him to these multiple churches and the ones he didn't like or the ones he chose not to. And once he stayed at for a while and over time, I would just ask, I would say, if, if God is this overarching being, why is it here in places formatted like this are the only like proper places of worship? I was like, I think the problem of you not finding your community isn't you're not able to find your community. It's how these things are structured. Like you have to go into this environment in order to like validate your loyalty. I was like, that doesn't make sense if God is such an overarching consciousness. Like those little things should not matter, but they matter so much. I was like, that feels like a trap to me. And then I used to always say, isn't the main point of the devil is to deceive? Like that's what he wants to do in his goal of breaking away. So why don't we question what is true to what we're following here? I was like, because I feel like this is a trap. My old man, he just like always would brush it off. And when I think about this movie, And I think about like how it's just got people tied into praise. It's like, if you're so focused on praising that you spend more time doing that than you actually do changing your community, then that's the trap. You know, and I would always say that with my brother. I'm like, you pray so much, but you have to actually have action. Like your action has to almost go just as far as how hard you pray. Otherwise, you're just praying. You're just hoping that it comes to you. It doesn't work that way. I was like, you're stuck. Like this is a, mm. this is like wake up. You know, wake up. It's funny you say that because it made me think of like relationships or with like any people. Like you can say a lot of things, but until you like create action, it's yes. by your actions that you're like actually perceived and validated. And when you were talking about praise. There's a point in there when you're listening to them praising in there. First of all, he's like, he's like, be obedient. And he keeps saying trust mm-hmm. trust and obedience are two different things. They don't necessarily exactly. link, but it's that conversation of like, just blindly. And I think that's something that's over general, but also that's really pushed on black communities is to be obedient, be agreeable, stop trying to fight the system, Mm -hmm. trust that we know what's better for you. And one thing that always rubbed me in the wrong way when I was younger was that why is Jesus represented as a white man? Like, Mm -hmm. to your point, if he's this overarching whatever thing, why do I have to pray to this white man over here who has nothing to do with me and I have no connection to, but it's like, but I'm supposed to trust in him. And there was this other thing where like Frog says the big man and that has two kind of meanings. One is like mm-hmm. in a religious context when people talk about God or their deity versus mm-hmm. also government. We talk about the government as big brother, that big man, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. The man, word. yeah. Right. And so I was like, when I heard that the first time, I was like, oh shit. Yep, yep. Like, I because, felt that way too. Right? And so they're telling you to be obedient. They're telling you, don't worry. Even though you got bills to pay, your son got shot 
on the street. She said it doesn't matter. Right? It doesn't yeah, matter. You're going to be evicted. And then, it doesn't matter. Right? Just, Just trust. listen to us. Trust us. And then they play. Under white Jesus's gaze. But then they play mm-hmm. back that thing up, which, you know, most yeah. people, when we hear anybody, really, it's not just black people because, I mean, he did make a great song, but we just like forget what we're doing. And we're like, our our worries are happening, but I'm just going to yep. get it out because the song is good. And it's yep. everything. It prevents the action. Right. And everything that they've been dispersing through the grape drink, through the hair relaxer, through the chicken, in the water, because, you know, they keep telling us to hydrate. And He's I was like, like oh, water. my. Right. Yeah. That manipulation too is like it's all like, these things problem. to forget and be agreeable and to stop fighting and bucking back is laced through all these things that we've been conditioned to use and to rely on and to feel is like our only validation as a culture or as a people. Mm-hmm. You know? But from from what I I I see what your points are regarding uh the the church scene because those are valid points and, and it's true because a lot of times many people whether you're in the black community or not that profess to be christian or of many different any other religion mm-hmm. they say that they are and they believe but they've never actually read the book they, mm-hmm. they they don't read the book and someone has told them what things say or they've cherry picked mm-hmm. some things and said okay this is what you should believe but if you think about it this in this in that particular scene it goes back beyond just like that that mm-hmm. like little time period we're talking about going back to the days of slavery where you mm-hmm. would have the black preacher that the the master if the master mm-hmm. wasn't tell, wasn't reading to you and telling you things that in the bible about being a good slave mm-hmm. and how you know you gotta wait to get to till you die in order to get your reward you don't get to have it here on earth no, mm-hmm. no, no. You that's gotta right. wait till after you're dead, and that's when God's going to reward you for being good. That's not that... what God says. Like, Wayne, you alluded to the fact that you're like, you can't just say, I got faith and do nothing. Because in this in the Bible, it says faith without works is dead. And if you read and if you actually have read it, you know exactly where I'm quoting that from. Mm-hmm. Because it's in there. But the thing is, there are people who just are like, I, I believe and that's and that's all I have to do to be saved and was like but you actually have to put in some work you can't right. just say I believe and just leave it at that you actually mm-hmm. gotta to, to do things you gotta step out there and actually be like now I gotta put some work in behind what I'm saying I, I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta practice what I preach as well There's you have to pray that the work you do will work <laughs> yes that's <true. laughs> like and i also want to add to that point you mentioned that like people don't read but there are people it's, there's also the danger of people who read and interpret it the way they need to or use for or whatever and like it's mm-hmm. that ability and it's not just for the church it's like capitalism all these like systems that have been put upon us to be like to wayne's point of like this is the structure, but like, why does it have to be this exact structure? Why can't I exist in this world outside of this structure? Like the world's not going to fall apart if capitalism is not the only way we run things. The world's mm-hmm. not going to fall apart if like, I don't go to church on Sundays because I choose to connect with whatever your spiritual greater power, whatever is by doing this instead of that. Or like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. right. that and, greater and you're right. None of these things I have to have to be the way people say like you have to do it this way or you have to do it that way like we don't have to do anything to be mm-hmm. honest we honestly don't have to do anything mm-hmm. we don't have to live the way that the way we are we don't have to we don't have to tell have people dictate to us what we can and cannot do mm-hmm. with part of that have having to or whether you have to or not is also figuring out how do I free myself from this? Because sometimes mm-hmm. if you if you see like in the clone Tyrone, an individual possibly can get free. Because mm-hmm. we see like individuals that that t- to a point can be free, but getting the collective to be mm-hmm. free, like getting the entire having that happen mm-hmm. for the entire community. And I'm gonna go just like on a on a little tangent. A side tangent where they were talking about like um with uh nixon talking to yo-yo i like that you know a pimp a prostitute and a drug dealer walk into a bar <laughs> with with them as this as the story but here here the three of them are 
And these are your basically the most unlikely of your your heroes, the unlikeliest heroes. Mm-hmm. But these are people who are valuable. No matter where they came from and no matter what you think of them, these are people who are valuable. They are they are important. Their lives are important. And, and sometimes that also gets like because of who they are, what they've done. Well, they're not important, but they actually are important. And then part of that, too, is with um, Nixon telling Yo-Yo that she she has no value. It was like and, and that just made me think a lot of times in in the United States, I'm going to say, I don't know about the rest of the world, but at least I know in the United States, Black women are very much devalued. Mm-hmm. And we have Nixon, like this white man who is like representing the government or the man saying like, well, we know you don't have any value. That's the why people who are valuable you. are uh, Fontaine and Slick Charles. They're and the preacher and, and the like all the... He, yeah, but yeah. these are but these black men are valuable, and it had me thinking about like stuff that was happening earlier on this year, where they were talking about how Democrats were trying to figure out how come they can't get uh, enough black people to want to vote for them, and they keep throwing out all of these other excuses other than the things that they have failed to do for black people and that's why black people don't want to vote for them mm-hmm. but also the way they have spoken to black men as a collective and have devalued them and disrespected them and so black men don't want to hear anything they have to say because they don't respect them and it just made me think how important it is to the black community when black men and black women see themselves as being equally valuable because mm-hmm. it took both of them coming together, black men and black women, in order to get the entire community out of the situation in which they had found themselves trapped in. Can I add mm-hmm. to that just the fact I want to be inclusive of the fact that it's black people? Because yes, black we're, people. We're totally forgetting a whole group of people then that don't exist in those two binaries that are also integral to that and get left behind or lost. Because yep. Yep. It's that that, that that's accurate. I I should have said that. I yeah. it's, it's it's hard to it's, it's still it like be, a yeah, learning process. It should be yeah. black people for sure because and I think and it's in the all of us of are movie. important. Yeah, that all goes of, to every, that conversation. Every one of us is important to the black community. Mm-hmm. That supports your conversation though too. Of like we as a community, and that's the point that Fontaine and Yo Yo argue about after that key uh, the Nixon quote or speech was that he was like, this ain't no fucking community. We're all out here, you know, and he's speaking Mm -hmm. of all the negatives and she's like, there's good in the community. And it's like, we need to stop dividing ourselves based on our genders, our, the different Mm -hmm. forms of blackness that we take, the, our social economic stances and see ourselves as while we're not a monolith, we are, we are, we can be a community if we see each other and and we value each other. It's kind of like that Mm -hmm. conversation of self-confidence you can't really accept what other people say to you until you value yourself as a person, same as a community. If we can't value all forms of ourselves as a community, then we're never going to be able to get out of this cycle. And it literally is a cycle that they put us in because we keep buying into things that they say that we Mm -hmm. should want instead of like supporting each other. And there's a point where like, was it Charles is like black men should support each other. And we out here with black on black crime or, and it's right. Black on black crime doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be physical violence. It could just be exclusion and yep. emotional violence. So there's so like many crabs in the barrel. Yep. I, crabs I in the that barrel. Cool. As soon as one decides to try to climb out, the others pull it back down and drag it yep. in. But it was like, but who put them all in the barrel in the first place? Yep. Right? Because like that's, a... the, that's ultimately your issue is that they're all trapped together. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, if you try to, if I try to get out, I'm not going to just leave you behind. And I think that's also something that can, that can be detrimental as well as when members of the black community are able to get to find their, to climb their way out, which is great. But then many times they don't go back to help out or to mm-hmm. like lend that same hand to, to help lift the others so that we can all be out and, and, and free and be able to, to grow and, and mm-hmm. to have, and to, you know, contribute a lot more than mm-hmm. we, we currently do because we if our if our culture shapes american society which gets exported all over the world imagine what we could do if we were not 
crabs in a barrel. It's and- funny, mm-hmm. our stuff gets shipped out, but with a warning label. Not to ourselves, but to the rest of the world, there comes a warning label. Like with our food, for example. When you yeah. were to say something earlier and I, I wanted to um, no, nah, you guys are you guys are spot on. Like uh you know, when when Fontaine and uh and Jamie Foxx were arguing in the beginning and he stepped up to him, he's like, dude, I, he's like, I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> he's like, but I will he's like, well, I'm supposed to fight you right now? Like, what mm. the fuck? Like, he's like we, we, ain't, we ain't supposed to be he's like he's like this is this is black on black crime. But I thought that was cool how he stepped up and even in like that comical like dialogue. He didn't flinch. He's like, I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> but I'm not gonna sit here and fight you over, right. over money. Over right. over right. He's stuff like, that he's don't like, matter. <laughs> he's like, fuck it, go ahead and take it. Whatever. And he was really mad, but he was just like it's like it's not worth Ugh. us fighting and killing yeah. and hurting each other so for I thought it. That, was cool. that goes to what Frog said at one point, and I forgot when exactly he said it, but he was like, You always lose, or you lose always. Mm-hmm. And that conversation is like you scratch off four, they all yeah. say you right. Lose. <laughs> you know, you always lose. You lost. You lose when you fight each other. You lose when you have these beasts. You lose when we are mm-hmm. like caught up in these systems that like we don't really understand, but we allow ourselves to be controlled by the music. Yep. Even the music. The yes, music. the music. If you looked at like one of the the one of the words, it was like shice, sh- shice or yep. something like that, and it yep. talked about being enslaved. Like you're, yep. in, I was like, and that's the thing. Like we listen to a lot of beats. It's got cool beats, but we don't actually listen to the words that are being. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he talked about uh, what's his name, Taylor, Jael Taylor, um, about the fact that they use subaural theory, which is that conversation of like putting stuff at a lower level than what we actually hear for mm-hmm. mind control. And so, two cool things that I found out is that he used Morse control or they had them set up uh, Morse code, not Morse control for under the music. So if you like, I guess in our audio file, you would hear like they put Morse code in the beats of the music. So when they're chasing them out of the club, it's like go chase after them or stand down. Mm -hmm. But then Mm -hmm. also you hear all the music, like uh, they keep referencing ruckus and one song was called So Tired. One was called I Need a Hug. One was like, I'm a fight yep. you. Like all these things. Like round and round. Right. <laughs> to your point, it's like a lot of these times we don't listen to the lyrics of what are being sung. Because like I'll be listening to this song and I, because of the way my brain is set up, I hear beats before and like the composition yep. of music before I hear the words. And so there have been songs where I'm like, I, I've grown uh entombed it in my body and then like i start to listen to the words and i'm like uh i don't i, I don't yep. agree with this i don't, do I don't want to listen to it anymore but it's even like juvenile uh juvenile back that thing up i love that song because it's fun to dance to but like when you listen to the lyrics yep. like damn damn yep so, I don't know. But that's I, the I, whole I, point though, is that I want I don't want you listening to the lyrics. I want that to seep into your subconscious. But what mm-hmm. I want you to do is just be so enthralled by that beat that mm-hmm. you don't like think of anything else. Mm-hmm. That's why they played the instrumental at church. Exactly. <laughs> just, just just be so just be so like let that seep into you. And then you don't have like you said, you don't have to think about anything. And mm-hmm. I, I found I thought it was really profound how they had those two black men that had been trapped together and they were playing the music to see like okay what's gonna happen and then here they are fighting each other when when it's like talking about like i want to kill a motherfucker and that's the name of the song Mm -hmm. and then it was like i need a hug and then all of a sudden they like they just go and hug each other. And it was like yep. all those things that are used in order to trap, yep. manipulate. And it goes on so many levels that we don't pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Or, or there have been plenty of Black people who have called it out. But then they're just kind of like, eh, I'm not listening to you. You don't know what you're talking about. It's never done this, that, or the other. But over time, this mm-hmm. is what we're talking about, how it builds over time. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's so true. And it's like, uh, I like... In that way, I think they did a really good job of like adding that satire and like that black exploitation and like that like mystery effect. But at the same time, it's like it in our in real life, I feel like 
they do that on such on a level this is like beyond race you know it's like first they want to control the women like it doesn't matter where you are on the fucking planet that's the number one priority it's just like women have to be like in some way shape or form controlled whether it's through religion whether it's through music whether it's through beauty whether it's through culture education something like that's the that comes first and it's like if we are going to give people equality we'd rather give it to all the men before we give it of any color before we give it to the women you know and it's like what the fuck and then on that it's just like anyone who's poor enough to not be able to escape this we want to control you and then inside of that we want to control each race and it's I kind of wish more people actually touched on how real that is um and it comes back to like what you were talking about value Mm. and what and what makes a person valuable like they were looking at yo-yo like she's not valuable they could just you know it's it's these people we need to recreate but what made her most valuable is that she became determined to follow through she was like nope I'm I'm gonna blow the lid on this shit watch and then it's like the moment you break out of that thing and you're like I don't care how weird I am Mm. I'm gonna follow through to what I believe is going on right now it's like boom you become value you become crazy valuable you two points to that too, because I wanted to talk about Yo-Yo as a character too, because in the whole story, she's not only undervalued by like the government and Nixon and the rest of them, but even by the rest of the crew. Like Jamie yep, Fox, fine. Yep. Yeah, he says, I called you Yo-Yo because you always come right back. And then like everyone kept getting on her about the fact of like, oh, you keep talking about all these dreams. But like you're still here, and she's like, and she finally is like, yeah, I'm still here. I acknowledge the fact that I am stuck in the space that I want to escape. That's not for me. That doesn't value me. That has me doing these things to survive. And that goes to that conversation of like black women's roles in that space, or black queer people's roles in that space too, mm-hmm. of being undervalued, used talked about to their faces like even named Wait. based on their their the the kind of like flippant way i see you and yet they're the ones dreaming the most they're the ones mm-hmm. to your point it's like when shit really comes down to it and those i those figures that are seen as pre- are uh dominant in our culture also give up She's the one who goes to tries to send something to the Washington Post. She's the one yep. who's like, we can't give up. I know, like that living hope that exists sometimes within the Black female community, and like fe- to your point, of female community, because it's like when you're always at a point of always being undervalued, you can either keep hoping, and then like when the thing comes, you you're ready to go, or you like give up and you become a product of the system, and it's like that's kind of the only two roles for so long that have been delegated to us. And Mm -hmm. it's like the reason why she's still trapped there and coming back is because she doesn't have those same options. No one gives her the, the, the time because they undervalue her. So how is she supposed to get out Mm -hmm. if she don't have the resources? And it's like, Chris and I have been talking about that thing that happened with the, was it the black future fund where the white guy, which one? The, it's called the Fearless Fund. The it's Fearless Fund, where like this white dude fund. was mad because this this group was giving out capital to Black female entrepreneurs, and he was like, "That's racist. Like, you should be able to support." And and there's a whole story to it. I'm not want to. I don't want to get detracted by that, but like that kind of conversation. And while Yo-Yo is smart and resourceful and creative and imaginative and has and is like hopeful she's still trapped in the system that doesn't give her the time to even advance, mm-hmm. you know, to do anything, to even, like, fail. Mm-hmm. So I thought her character was really good, but also, side note, I love that she has different names for all of her services, like the Shalimar, the Susan Sarandon. <laughs> uh, I forgot what the other one, oh, the David Carradine. I was like, I want to know what the Shalimar is. But I also okay. think I heard Shalimar, all I could think is the second time around. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. I was like, uh, I know the group, so what is the Shalimar? <laughs> yeah. And one of the things I have to say is 
we so undervalue the importance of a good wig in the black community. That, that was funny. Because these wigs are out here saving lives. I just, so <laughs> I just had to say that. Just had to say that. Um, but one of the things I noticed with uh, listening to uh, Ruckus being everywhere mm. and then the chicken and then even Chester, when he, he shows up, it made me think of Boondocks. Mm-hmm. Where you have Uncle Ruckus, and then yeah. you have like that episode where they were people were going crazy for the chicken. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then you had like Stink Peter and his crew. That you know that influence. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I can see like different like little little kind of nods to the Boondocks. I don't know if that was purposeful or not, but I was definitely picking up on some of those. I like, think it things. is. Maybe not. Maybe. Because the Boondocks is such a huge part of like that conversation, and he definitely grew up in that time where he was watching it. Um, so I could, it, to your point, yeah, I was like, "There's obvious Boondocks," and even like um, Richard Roundtree from Superfly, he pulled a lot of stuff from that. And then um, what's the one with um, what's his name, Michael Jai White, when he does Anaconda, uh, the Anaconda liquor from another movie he was in, Michael Jai White. He gave him know. full rights to use it, but like that, uh, that beer that's like was really popular in like black exploitation in like uh, '90s black movies. Oh God, is am I saying his name wrong? It's Michael Jai White, right? Yeah, Michael. Jai okay, White. you look the like only you thing I can think of coming me. into my head with you say his name is Spawn, but that's not what you're talking about. No, right. I thought I had the same thing. Did you know it was supposed to be? Does anyone watch Atlanta here? I don't. I have um, yet to watch it from beginning to end. Then it doesn't matter. I was going to say the person who was, because uh, John Boyega was not supposed to be the original uh, Fontaine. And so it was supposed to be, uh, what's his name? Something Henry something something. What is his name? Uh, Brian Tyree Henry, who plays Paperboy in Atlanta. And I was like, thinking in my mind, I'm like, what would that movie have been like with him? Because he's a definitely that he's played to that vibe but it would have had a whole different context i think just the way he he is as an actor or mm-hmm. what i've seen so i'm curious how that would have maybe influenced or changed the the conversation if it was a different if, if it had been I, for john boyega i thought he did really good i um and i thought it was i thought it was really cool how even as a clone, he was able to question things because it, it, it kind of made me think like, all right, if they're making these clones, how is this dude, like, how did they fail to make it to where he could not, where he could still access what, what the hell had happened to him? You know, he right. he's seen himself get taken like in a vision almost and thought it was weird. And I was like, see, they fucked up. I was like, the scientists fucked up there because this dude's going to question that shit. Mm-hmm. And, and then he legit came back so fast that it spooked the shit out of Jamie Foxx. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. And I thought like yeah. that, I thought like his ability to just like be confused and also be curious was a really cool acting skill because mm. it so- made it, it put me in it put me in the movie at that i feel like at that moment when he came back and jamie fox was like what the fuck you should be dead i watched him blast your ass like what the fuck and he was like kind of listening i was like this dude's a good actor because i felt like that that's where a lot of actors could fuck that fuck the whole movie mm. up Right, that introspection, but also be. I feel like too. To, you are me. I am you. You are me. <laughs> how do I figure you know, it out? Like, like you, how do you respond to seeing your up. body on a table with bullet holes? Right, kind of thing. Yeah, he was. He was spooked. You know what I was thinking too about the cloning thing is that you know there's only so much that you can control as a human being, and I think there's this consciousness of the oppressive, like powers to think that they have the ability to control everything but the thing about being human is like we have the to Kristen's point earlier the right to choose or like something might spark into our brains that causes us to think differently or perceive differently in that moment 
that makes us not fully controllable. Like Mm -hmm. you can clone my consciousness, but there's something that's integral to being Fontaine, whoever they originally scanned it from that never gets lost. If, and that, that goes to two points too, of like in sci-fi, like to have that ability to clone an Mm -hmm. entire consciousness and what levels and what goes into that complexity, like AI, like what can we control, what we can't control, what things come up, what doesn't come up. And then you have whoever they, who, you know, because the original Tyrone was the guy, the the um, the the lab doctor at the end. Mm-hmm. But like, there's also you have that core consciousness that kind of gets recloned. So that curiosity, that intelligence, those things that still exist, even with all this bullshit. Natural human around. nature. Yeah, but then like now he's under these other environments that cause you to react differently than the original Tyrone, not Tyrone, the original Fontaine maybe when he was born would have reacted differently. So like, there's all these things that kind of go into like why they can't fully control us, why they couldn't. Fully mm-hmm. That's why you need the music. Mm-hmm. That's why you need the food. That's why you need the entertainment, you know, like that's why you need all these additional elements, like the, the, the controlled culture elements. Yeah. And you need the location where you can pigeonhole people. It's mm-hmm. like, you can't escape. Like, right, exactly. You control everything to keep you in. It's it's Be like bombarded. having like a pin. Like you are in this pin and you can't go anywhere. We're just going to keep mm-hmm. you right here in this little circle. But even then, you. how long does that last for? There's always going to be as a human because we don't even understand a huge part of our brain and like all that goes on internally. So like you could do everything to control a situation. Like this is one of those things that they taught us basically when we were taking science back in grade school. You can do everything you can to a certain point to control the situation when you're doing a scientific experiment, but there's always going to be an element somewhere where you cannot mm-hmm. control that could fuck up your your experiment. And I mm-hmm. think to that level, it's like, this has gone on so long, but like even when you think of like present day, what's happening in our current news and things like that, there's a lot of craziness going on, but there's also a lot more people talking consciously about what's going on or trying yep. to do individual change or whatever. So it's like, now what's the new, what do they call it when you create a lab experiment and like you have all your controls, a new data set. Your, your contents and your variables. Yeah, oh. like you have to change the environment now so that mm-hmm. you can restart. So what are they going to do to keep us under? Or is it going to be at a point where they can no longer control the experiment? And it's now just... Well, with right. part of the experiment, since we, we're way beyond, like, the whole, like, uh, was it spoiler alert <laughs> uh, warning, but the what what the plan was is what I found to be both horrifying and very telling. Because the plan ultimately was is to get to a point where Black people would turn white. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah. but you can kind of see that plot play out even now where the thought is like the closer to whiteness you are the better you are mm-hmm. and then but and then you you see that with uh a lot of things in like uh commercials and tv mm-hmm. shows and movies, like all these things that are kind of gearing you towards or pointing you towards like being closer to being white um and then also with that is just the fact that trying to 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 genetically change a person from being black to being white and we and we've seen that with like some celebrities or we've at least heard stories about certain celebrities that have that that are trying to become whiter lightening their skin and things like that because of this in this this hatred that you know in at least I know in the United States, it's racism is a poison that all of us have been pretty much weaned on since the day we were born. It follows mm-hmm. us from cradle to grave. As soon as we are coming to this world, we're designated uh, by race. And then when we die, we, we carry and we carry that designation throughout life. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. what what we do or who we are or how far we we go, we are still you. You're born in this country as black, and you don't die black. Don't matter mm-hmm. anything else that changes. That 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 is how it goes. But to to get to a point where you're like, okay, well now since being black is 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 seen as a problem, the only solution is, well, let's just lighten the skin, 
make make black people white so then we can be united because that and that's the idea of like what unification in the united states means everybody's white and right. and and the only way to do that is since uh white makes right you know then the only thing we can do is well we can make we have to make ourselves white in order to stop all the brutalities against us i'm glad that's you brought that up done. because in the lab they had a giant mural that said unity what was it something like unity starts here and then it was like race <laughs> yeah. for of the future and it had like all these white people doing science and technology and that that concept of when we read sci-fi novels or watch movies where there was always white people but where were all the people of color kind of they thing. didn't exist in, in most of those stories and then i was thinking about too what if all those white men with afros were an experiment that didn't go well to the conversation of like trying to assimilate black culture and they were like oh this didn't work so now but they're going to be employed here as a as a conduit that's what they said though because they were like there was a problem with the hair and they were like the problem is the hair yeah of course how do you fix the hair you got that perm solution that perm Mm -hmm. cream in order to straighten Mm -hmm. it out but none of those white guys had the perm solution in so i was like why are they still running around they they, don't worry that would if they had been thinking about it that should have been the next step Mm -hmm. see they weren't Mm -hmm. they weren't looking at al sharpton because if they had they'd had that slick back perm to to to, Mm -hmm. to to get that nice sleek straight and then cut it there but they'll they'll get to that but the whole point is how do i make the entire black person white and if you saw like in the t- the tubes behind uh the doctor mm-hmm. dr frankenstein is what i'll call him <laughs> behind him they had from the darkest black all the way across yep. and you were like you got this whole color scheme that's going on and you're like what the heck is that mm-hmm. yeah there was um so many levels of all of our black conspiracies in there. And one thing that keeps popping in my mind as we've had this conversation is that, and I just actually was watching some stuff about like the conflict with in the Gaza Strip with like Palestine and Israel and this conversation that always comes up when things go wrong and black people are like, but hey, we kind of try to tell you that this is the kind of shit that goes on is that conversation of like, the liberation of all like for all of us to be free we have to support each other we have to believe each other when we say this shit is wild because this shit is wild like it seems so mm-hmm. sci-fi and out there but the things that they've done to different communities like when you think of oppenheimer and removing in history but also in real life a whole group of people from land and then poisoning them and then erasing that shit the Native Americans or the indigenous tribes and what they've done to them, like all these groups of people that have been, there have been attempts to erase the things that have happened or to divide us. And like, I always think about when I first heard about Fred Hampton and that concept of like, there were these people out here at different times who were trying to say, if we all saw the commonality, regardless of social, that we all have issues socioeconomically, that we're all burdened by the system, that we're all being, you know, abused and undervalued in certain ways, but understand our own differences within that too. We could do so much better for ourselves, but we refuse to support, not refuse, we maybe refuse, maybe tend to look the other way from seeing the value in each of our own identities and supporting each other in those spaces so that like shit can actually change um and I think it kind of goes to that conversation I had with myself the second time I watched this movie it was like the first time they see the elevator Yaya or sorry Tyrone goes not Tyrone I always want to keep calling him Tyrone Fontaine goes in because he's like I just saw people telling me I'm dead so there's kind of like he doesn't want to believe it, but he's being forced into this situation. So he's going to find the truth. Then you come to Yo-Yo. She could very well, the person who's undervalued, choose to like not go through the elevator and to go back and then do whatever. But there's that question where she's like trying to decide, do I go down this rabbit hole or do I go back? And I think we see uh, Fontaine and Charles is like indecision and decision to go in but we kind of miss her reckoning in the middle. And I wanted to ask you all, if you were Yo-Yo in that moment, would you have gone in the elevator? Yeah. No. 
I say yes because I want to be like. I wouldn't. I would not have gone in the elevator because I know how those horror movies end. But the thing is, like, you still have to have people willing to step into the elevator. Mm. Like, I would not be the one willing to step in the elevator. But Wayne said yes. Like at the same time, we yes. both gave our answers, and I, <laughs> I was, was like, and I'm good with supporting you're Wayne. Charles, into the elevator, and then reporting back to me what happened. So Chris like <laughs> no, Charles in no. this. <laughs> yes, I would be the idea. Charles, and I was like, we need a plan. I no. The the idea, I think what it was, is because they were bickering all the way up to the fucking elevator, you know, like they just were art. It was so annoying. You could tell that like Fontaine was annoyed because he's like, hold on. I think motherfuckers are telling me I'm dead. You guys are arguing stupid shit and whatever. But when they discovered the elevator, I feel like Yo-Yo was the first person to be like, OK, this is bigger then whatever the hell we're arguing about, like this is an actual problem. And she was like, I don't care if I don't like you guys right now in a crazy situation like this, like I'm not about to just like dip on you. Like I got your back. Mm -hmm. This is crazy. I got your back, you know? And it's, and I think what it was for like Jamie Foxx's character was just like, at that time he was still like the most piece of shit that he was like as this character is introduced from the beginning. And he, in his mind, it was probably like, I don't need to have anybody's back right now. Like, this dude just came in my crib and robbed me, and this is one of my hoes. I'm not about to get in this elevator <laughs> for any one of them. Like, what the fuck? But then he was also thinking about it, too. Like, all right, I don't really give a fuck about Fontaine, but, like, I'm not going to let a motherfucker get jumped. So why would I let him obviously walk into this trap alone? And they had to get over themselves right then and there. Mm. You know, so it was like, I felt like in that moment, in Yo-Yo's character, she was just like, okay, motherfucker, like, if you're getting stabbed, obviously, I'm going to help you, but fuck you, (laughs) you know, and then, but the situation obviously, like, blew way out of control for the next hour and a half, but I felt like that was, like, the first showcase of, like, who she really was as a person, Mm. and then that's why she didn't say nothing. And then she just like walked up to the elevator and I was like, like 15 minutes. You got 15 yep. minutes. And then I yep. liked how they were all armed. Cause yeah. I, I, I definitely believe going into a situation. Oh yeah. He pulled yeah. hers out first and they called yes. her crazy. And then they heard stuff and she, they were like, well, you can't be too prepared. And it was like, well, she just. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and my favorite thing is if y'all notice them singing songs yes. in the elevator. And I was like, that would be so me sitting there changing yeah. the lyrics to Nervous. a song I know mm-hmm. and singing about the situation that I found myself in just to kind of make me feel better. Because <laughs> that's the way our brains connect shit too. Yes. It's mm-hmm. Like that shit is real to me. Like I would be like, I was like, you had, they had me at that one. I was like, yeah, they'd have had me on the elevator singing about going down. <laughs> yep. Fontaine was so annoyed. Was so <laughs> I know, but off. I was like, but that's, I like how you tie in like these positive bits of black culture mm. into the negative and the satirical mm. as well. But to have that like, yeah, we are creative in really bad, effed up situations. Mm. We we notice it. We see stuff. Um, so I have two questions for everybody. First question, who were you, and who were your top three characters in order from first to third? And then how many fuzzy froze would you give this film? I'll start with our guest, Wayne. Um, or do you need time? Because we can. No, um, I think I got it. It's hard. I'm number one, I'm gonna give it to Yo-Yo. She's my the the MVP because she, she she popped, she was always she was down from the jump. So boom. Number number one. Um number two. I'm going to say Jamie Foxx because he just continues to prove how fucking talented he is. <laughs> like this dude, he makes the the dumbest shit so funny, but he's like, so relevant. It ain't snow, but I'm a ski. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, nigga, no. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to uh, give it to the preacher because I thought that, you know, how they kept coming back to him and he was just kind of like this mysterious figure. You know um, how it was? Yeah. yeah, I thought that I thought that was really, and then yeah, and then when I looked it up and seen it was David Allen Gray, I was like, oh hell no! <laughs> so I thought that was I thought that was really cool. Um, I think overall, I would give the movie uh, how many fuzzy frozen out of five? Like out of four five. point, like four and a half 
fuzzy froze because I really do believe that this is how people are getting controlled in America. And it just as much as it is about black people, it's about controlling like women and poor people and everyone in between. If you fit any of those situations and you are forced to like live any of those, any of those outcomes, or if they trapped you with like the the religion or the music, you know, I just I just really believe that they would rather go through all the work to do that than to just legit come together and be a higher conscious species. Right. I I I hate to say it, but I believe it like so deep down in my heart that that is just really where we're at and it's not even a satire. It's just Yeah. No. I agree with that. The fact that they, it always boggled me as a kid to now. Yes. Put so much more work into doing this or to doing that instead of just like giving people affordable housing to live in and not having yep. to have like all this other bullshit. All right. Sorry. Let me not go on tangent. Kristen, your turn. Yeah. It's, it's looking at the long-term game, playing the long con. Is it long-term mm-hmm. con though? I feel it's, like they're playing the short game. But but you know, that's what people but if you think it's that for me to thrive, you have to you have to go without, then that's then all your decisions are gonna be based on that fear. Mm-hmm. Like if for mm-hmm. me, for you know, if we have a pizza, we can't share it mm-hmm. equitably. I have to have all the slices and you get maybe one and then you get, no, you a, get the crust. crumbs or the crumbs left over. Yes, or crumbs. whatever I don't want. Mm-hmm. And then I want what you want or what you have because now you have it, so I want it. Sorry, or it's like I, I only gave you this much, and somehow you still found a way to make something out of it, and that was no. better than what I, I originally placed value on. So now I want it back. Yes, yep. give it back to me. Um, so for me, uh, my three characters, uh, the first would be Yo Yo because I really did like Yo Yo, and I liked her, her Nancy Drew to the rescue. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I I really did like their Scooby Doo trio. Um, if it hadn't been for the metal and black folk, they would have got away with it too. Continue to get away with it. Um, mm-hmm. also liked Nixon's character, Keith Sutherland. It was a surprise to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really thought he he spoke well because here he is doing horrible things, but at the same time justifying it and being like, well, you know, it's actually not bad. You know, and telling Fontaine, you. you're Captain America, in my opinion. Like, let me smooth over all the horrible shit I'm doing mm-hmm. by saying like, oh, no, you're great. You're you're wonderful. I'm telling you something different than I'm actually doing. Um, And I, I thought that was adequately done. And then I also got to go with Slick Charles, Jamie Foxx's character, because he was just so fun. <laughs> it was so much fun. Uh and for Fuzzy Froze, I would give it also 4.5 Fuzzy Froze. I feel like we're at a yo-yo conference because yeah. yo-yo, yo-yo was yo-yo. the MVP. She yeah. was the MVP. She was great. I enjoyed her so much. Um I always be asking questions where I don't technically have the full answer for. Um I'm at a toss-up. For Slick Charles and Fontaine's character. Fontaine, because there's like elements of him throughout the movie that like you kind of miss because of how the character is so like it seems one note a little bit, but there are like elements to what Wayne said earlier about acting in terms of like his perception of like things going on, or even when he like sees his dead body and then they're driving back, um, and then the conversations of like who you are in this community and what is your place and like do you stay in that space or do you move through it and like become Mm -hmm. something different even if everything is against you and you might still end up in that space like do you just stay content or do you try after you've made mistakes so I enjoyed that aspect but then I like Slick Charles a little bit more because y'all know you've already said it he has so many great one-liners throughout the whole thing and that part where he like they do a superfly kind of uh um homage where he's driving up with the 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 army and he has yeah. like, he's sitting on the car. I was like, and he rolls up to the the convenience store. So I enjoyed that um as well. <laughs> and I think the actual third character that I liked was the setting of the story. Like the way that 
there were elements in the background that were clues and spoke to the conversation. Like we all yeah. noticed those elements of like the setting. And I, I, when I watch stuff or read stuff, I always feel like the setting or the environment is a character itself. Yeah. Um, so I, that Talks was my well. third favorite. Yeah. Um, Cause there's just so much stuff, so many elements twirled into that is the most complex character, I would say. Um and then I would give it four and a half, four point seven five, fuzzy froze, because I've watched it three times now, and I've found different shit every time, depending mm-hmm. on the level of my engagement. So, yeah, four point seven five. Anyway, well, I'm glad that we all enjoyed they cloned Tyrone and Erica Badu's special uh, musical number at the end. Mm-hmm. I really love that they brought her back for that. They had so many wonderful surprises. I probably can't add that to our in that movie. Well, <laughs> let's start putting these crayons back in the box. Thank <laughs> you. Next time, thank you to our special guest, Wayne. Right. Yes, thank you. It's fun as always. I love it. Thanks for wrapping up our guest season. And yeah, until next time, uh, everybody. I don't think we don't have a name for the people who listen. Do we call them crayons or what do we? <laughs> we, we, we don't we can we can come up with that later but until next time bye-bye <laughs> look for us on all major podcast platforms don't forget to like and leave a review music by moon apple xx you can find them on instagram as well as art done by midnight Pain.